This is Kaim Voice with Lyudmila Pagodina and thanks to Goethe Institute in Minsk we have today Jonas Poppe of the band Om Shat. Hello everyone. У нас сегодня в гостях на нашем подкасте Йонас Поппе. Is that right? I guess so, yeah. И мы будем говорить о музыке, о Берлине. Йонас, you can say hi. Привет. Привет. And I think we start basically with the fact that November was the Berlin month for me personally. Goethe Institute gave me like a big present because we had Mark Reader, we had Gima Vignon, we have you now and you is the most personal story to me. And this is like too much and you're closing this November period of Berlin, but I hope not for too long. And uh, I want to ask you, how do you feel after your third, fourth day in, in Minsk? Yeah, I feel good. I feel kind of a bit tired because, yeah, there was a lot of things going on in the past days. And yeah, I'm, of course, I'm a bit hungover. I was walking through the uh, whole city yesterday and it was like extremely cold. I'm not used to this kind of temperature. I'm trying to get used, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I tried to see some of the city. What did you see? Actually, I don't know what I saw. <laughs> Because I didn't, but what I saw is, for example, that uh, very interesting monument, that socialist monument, whereas, which looks like really, yeah, real socialism, Stalinist thing, and under it, uh, there's this KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, yeah. which is getting illuminated at night, and so yeah. it's kind of weird to have these things together. Uh-huh. That's what I saw. Then also I went to the opera house, mm-hmm. which looks nice. I saw beautiful things, I saw ugly things, mm-hmm. and I was at the um, art museum. So you discovered it all by yourself. You just took the paper map and yeah, yeah. I took this very old school. Where is it? Do I have it? No, I don't have it with me. But it's very. It's like crinkled and yeah. uh, because I'm not used anymore to use like actual um, actual paper maps okay. because I got no internet. So I think that the internet is better and faster than in Germany. I have the feeling. Yeah. Germany has a huge problem with internet. It's like for example when you are in Brandenburg, like around yeah. Berlin or in the village then you, you're getting real problems with internet. So okay. We cancelled all the shows actually. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to play Minsk. Mm-hmm. It was important mm-hmm. for us because no, no one of us have been here before. Yeah, we talked about it for a long time, no? Trying to bring you here. Yeah. And we never did. Generally, when you play in the, any other showcases, usually what you get back as a band? That really depends on, on where you play. For example, this time here on Iskar Showcase Festival, I had the feeling it was much more exciting, much more warm than, for example, we had in South by Southwest Festival. Mm-hmm. They in South by Southwest in Austin, Texas which is more like a huge, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like mostly for forbidden music business people feel like you present yourself to some kind of businessman in, in suits. I mean, we had audience there too, but it's, I was a bit disappointed by South yeah. by Southwest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we played, but, but here in Minsk, that was really nice. Also, we played at Transmusical mm-hmm. in Rennes, which was also just a really great festival. Have you heard of that before? Not really, no. I think it's the most important festival in France. At least I think that it's especially for new bands that are being discovered anyway. But you usually get invited after playing in the showcases or do you get any offers? Usually yes, but it's not, it's mostly people come to you and say, hey, we like you, we want to work with you. But in the end, it doesn't mean that it always works out. It's it's just meet people and these kinds of things. Do you have to be ambitious and come to people and say, this is me? Like, can we do something? Or do you expect people to come over to you? I think I would have to be ambitious in these things, but I'm not that good in these kinds of um, 
Actually, after a show, I prefer to talk about other things than about uh, music. About the band, yeah. Yeah. How about we play one track so people get to know what exactly you're doing, so get a little bit of feeling? Let's do it with uh, Omshat. This is true, Alisa has a t-shirt that says cool kids can die. And this is, that's what Jonas invented. That's funny, that so many things. It's also on the wall in Jerusalem, in Israel, there's yeah. a huge graffiti, cool kids can die. And I'm sure you also built the wall. I just built it to make this, to paint my slogan. <laughs> 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 The top part with the slogan is like Jonas Kim, they're like painting. So what I wanted to ask you, you've seen quite a few bands, Belarusian bands, during the showcase. 
Have you? No, I saw only, I think I saw one and a half band. One and a half? Yeah. Any impression of? Yeah, I think it was like, it all fit together very well. Yeah. They all had this um, kind of new wave. Joy Division touch, which I think is very, very big here. But I think it's big everywhere at the moment, especially in Eastern European countries. And yeah, I had the feeling that it suits to, to Umshat as well, although our sound is of course a bit different because yeah. we have like uh, real drums and it's some different approach, but yeah, it, it fit together quite well, I think. Do you actually know any other bands from the post-Soviet Union or from Belarus? Um, no, unfortunately not. But I think from Berlin, coming from Berlin, you should know at least Viktor Tsoi or something, or Kino. What was the last one? Kino? Kino, yeah. I think I heard about that, but what was the first one? Uh, that's the singer of Kino, Viktor Tsoi. And uh, yeah, so that's how we come to the GDR youth. You're from GDR, right? Do you have any like nostalgia feeling when you come to Belarus about your childhood? Or no, not really. Yeah, because I mean, I was born in like it was called real socialism, so real socialism. So I have the feeling that it's of course you can compare it somehow. It's something is similar, and I even got reminded to my childhood when I came here, because I mean the architecture is a bit different, but. The sculpture which I was talking about, these you have in, um, mm -hmm. in East Berlin too. Sometimes I even think the, the humor of the people is somehow close and somehow comparable. Actually, it's still, I think it's more close to Russia than to East Germany, but mm -hmm. of course it all came out of Stalinism, so. Yeah. What do you remember about your childhood? What I know, I did the research about what you've talked to my friends during these days. And you've talked about your Catholic school, you talked about your parents, you talk about their background, what they had to go through. Yeah. What do you feel like, what's your impression of your childhood? What do you remember the most? Yeah, I had good and bad um, things, of course, but um, as you're speaking about the, my parents, uh, yeah, they were in some kind of political opposition, so-called dissidents, and so uh, yeah, we had quite an exciting childhood. <laughs> my sister and my parents and me we were living in a very small uh, apartment where the rain dropped through, and every night it was full of people, full of yeah, many artists came and some um, writers who read something, and in between there were the secret agents, but you never knew who was secret agent who wasn't that's something i remember other than that i had a nice childhood because for us it wasn't that i had the feeling that it was completely depressive sometimes you see films about the opposition in east germany and it feels like everyone is like completely depressed and has fear but actually i don't remember it that way it's mostly like we had parties and sometimes my parents tried to make some game out of it although everyone knew that could have become dangerous, of course, because my mother was in prison for a couple of weeks, so, mm -hmm. and things could have gone worse. So, how come you got into the Catholic school in GDR? There were no religious school, right? Yeah, as far as I know, that's a story. I don't know if it's true, but somebody told me that they saved the life, the, uh, the nuns of the school, they saved the life of a Russian soldier after the Second World War. Then the young GDR government asked them they want something in return mm -hmm. and they just said uh, it's like in a fairy tale like you can make a wish but they said the nuns said whatever happens we want to keep the school and mm -hmm. then later when they tried to close it down they reminded them of what they said mm -hmm. a couple years ago that's why the school uh, had some kind of oppositional role they didn't have to be too close to the gdr propaganda things 
I don't know if everything's true what I'm saying, but it's something around uh -huh. this legend. So my mother wanted me to go there, mm -hmm. but then I had to quit school because of other things I did. And so, uh, <laughs> what kind of things you did in a Catholic school? Yeah, it was a Catholic school, and we had to to pray every uh, to go to the um, what's it called when you go to church and uh, every Thursday, and then we were praying before the or the lesson started, and that was nothing for me. I was. I mean, I was 12 to 16 and I did some stupid things that boys do, like smoke in the, at school in the classroom and things like that. And one time I, I burned a room in the chemistry, uh, <laughs> not a room, um, a table in the chemistry room. Yeah, just things what, uh, what people boys do because they yeah. want to be provocative, they want to see what happens. And right. so, and That's what chemistry is for, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then it seemed to be cool, but then my class teacher came to me and said, we think that It's maybe not the right uh, school for you. Maybe you could think of something different, but of course that was, I understood. And then I went to John Lennon High School. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the funny thing about the John Lennon School was that the first plan was, what I heard was to name it Bob Marley High School. And then some, <laughs> some, some teachers and parents said, ah, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Would you prefer Job Marley? Marley or Bob or, Lennon? <laughs> Which one is your favorite? Um, I don't know. Frank Zappa would have been nice as well. Uh, I don't know. Uh, or Lou Reed High School, David Bowie. I prefer John Lennon to uh, Bob Marley, I think. Mm -hmm. Is it really that uh, rehearsal space, like also kind of factory building, where John also had a, um, a rehearsal studio? It's called Frank Zappa Street? Isn't yeah. it? Next to Tempelhof? Yeah, that's true. But I think it's very small and very, very ugly. Frank Zappa would have loved it. <laughs> So you mentioned David Bowie, Lou Reed and Frank Zappa. Yeah, just because it would be nice to name streets and schools after them. Yeah, but this is somebody who is uh, more influential for you or...? You mean these three people? Yeah. Yes, I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're influential. Maybe Lou Reed the most of them, because mm -hmm. Velvet Underground was always one of my favorites. So when I was having my first band, the Silicon Warriors, I was trying to sound like Lou Reed a bit. I remember when I heard the first time the Velvet Underground and Nico album and mm -hmm. it was like yeah, crazy for me. It was like, wow, what's this? Okay, then I ask you about the style of your own band and I will tell you, so you didn't know you have an Instagram account for Omshat, right? No, but but apparently I have one. You have one and you have no idea who does it, right? No, I don't know. Maybe somebody's... Th are, there, are there pictures on it? Yeah, there are. But things are happening from time. Yeah. Wow, creepy. I know. And I will tell you what it says about your style. Get ready. Rock, new wave, surf, psychedelic with Arabic references, like Ian Curtis naked in Cairo, half past three in the morning. Mm. Is that what you've written yourself? We wrote parts of it uh, okay. a long time ago, yeah, because we needed a um, description. You always need descriptions if you play, and so I thought, okay, this is true. This one. So Ian Curtis naked in Cairo. In the morning. Four o'clock in the morning, completely hungover. Half past three. Together with Frank Zappa and David Bowie and uh, Bob Marley. Nice. I don't take these descriptions that seriously and press text. It's always, always people say um, they sound like this and this and that. Mm -hmm. and they always say that they're the best band in the world. And it's, it's, actually, you can't really take that seriously, these press infos. You have to find the line between bragging and some kind of self-irony. This is true. What kind of, I mean, 
when you decided to be a musician? I think you always been because you just mentioned three bands already, right? Were there more than that? More than three? I guess so. So who has more bands, you or Chris Imler? I think Chris Imler has more bands, <laughs> <laughs> but I still have time. And he doesn't? Is that what you're trying to say? No, of course he still <laughs> also has time. But I mean, when I'm his age, I will probably have maybe maybe I will stop. I don't know. But I think I had like three serious bands and the rest was just for one day or something okay like. no but i had one band called the blood boys that was just for two shows and mm -hmm. it was already made just for two shows it was something in between band and performance we used to use a lot of fake blood and raw chickens and this those kind of things and it was just for i don't know for freaking out for two days <laughs> what style was that that was something between um avant-garde electro stuff like really the rhythms were like completely uh, chaotic yeah and uh, also some samples from film soundtracks also kind of bit of punk rock mm -hmm. and something and i remember that gonzalez and peaches were, were in that show and they saw it and, and they really really liked it and so i thought okay that's that's cool that they like it mm -hmm. maybe we should continue but then in the end we didn't want to, it was just made for two. But you had some story with Peaches, like you toured together or something? With which band? With Kissogram. With Kissogram. Yeah. And uh, where, when was that? It was 2004. It was a long tour, like four weeks or something. And how was your communication with Peaches? Good. We yeah. know each other before because mm -hmm. we yeah we went to the same clubs. The, the club scene in Berlin was not that big at the time and all the good things that were happening were taking place in East Berlin. Mm -hmm. And so we all knew each other and Peaches and Gonzalez and all the Canadians, they just came to there and they were on the KTO label. And we sometimes met each other and we used to hang around with them and also with them, other bands like Jeans Team and Contriva and all these bands from the 90s. So does it mean then before the wall fell, all the good things were happening in West Berlin and after it happened, all the good things, as you just said, were happening in East Berlin? Yeah, because uh, that was a creative breakout in the 90s because mm -hmm. everyone uh, there were so many houses that were are like um, empty factories and mm -hmm. things like that and houses where you just could go and make parties like squatting yeah that was a time where everyone thought okay let's do something new and what's going on in berlin right now now it's you can say that there's one berlin scene there's like many many different centers and in every center there are different people and different music styles and that's actually i think you can't speak about the Berlin scene, it's everything, everything's there. Yeah, usually many people think of Berlin as like a cultural island in the world, but on the other hand, I think it's also it's something like a black hole that so many people, bands come from abroad, from UK, from USA, from, from anywhere, and then they get stuck in Berlin and um, like in a black hole, sometimes they, they even stop making music. It's not like that you think that when you're in Berlin and you're a band, you're getting famous everywhere. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just the, the other way around, funny, I don't know why. So how do you manage to be in a band and not get stuck in a black hole being inside Berlin? Yeah, maybe I am stuck in a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> this time I managed to get out of it from the black hole. I, I took all my power 
than to go from there to Minsk. <laughs> okay, I have two questions right now, and I can go this direction or that direction. The funny question was, uh, why did you decide to give the power to the women of the morning shift? I respect that, but I just want to know why. And then I go back to the other question. Okay. Yeah, because I thought of this song when I was coming from some some party or something. Oh, sure. I bought a coffee in a, in a bakery at 7 o'clock in the morning. So I thought, oh, I'm so much wasted and just give them the power. <laughs> you wouldn't survive if they wouldn't be at work at that time, right? There's not that much behind that, it's just mm -hmm. um, that little story. Why did you have that long-time interest in going to East Europe or in Minsk particularly? What was here for you to discover? First thing is um, I feel like emotionally close to Eastern Europe, maybe because I was born in Eastern Germany. But also I really like this, uh, the, yeah, the Eastern European humor. I mean, it's different and right. I, I won't say that it's everything we're mm -hmm. the same but especially I was uh, many times I was in Poland I really like this kind of laconic dark humor in Russia and also in Russia and here mm -hmm. and um, yeah somehow I feel close to the people I must say I would suggest to play something from Kissagram and uh, how about that which is cool kids can die the name that you say was taken from you and put on t-shirts on every cool kid that doesn't want to die yeah yeah i don't know it's recently i saw online people selling clothes with the with that um, slogan cool kids can die but you never think that slogan before when you, did you write that I song i invented that slogan and there's also a dj team i think a famous one that's called cool kids can die something i don't remember but it's it's used many times but actually kissogram invention <laughs> when did you write it in 2002 or something like that long time ago long time ago indeed okay so let's play it Pagnali.
healthy enough to be really glad Sick enough to be really sad After walking round the bend Your feet have maybe reached the end Boy, the walls are not too high Because cool cats can fly Black hearts, honey boy Life's not only rich man's joy Days are dark, so is the night But you are on the better side Blood's still running to your veins Show me you can move again It's that time to say goodbye Because cool kids can't die You're still listening to Kaim Voice, and today we have Jonas Poppe, the ex-member of Kissagram and the lead singer of Om Shat. Мы продолжаем болтать, как и болтали до этого. И обязательно сейчас скажу про Йодный институт, который приводит к нам наших друзей из Берлина. Пожалуйста, не останавливайтесь и продолжайте это делать. Нам очень нравится. So what's going on? What's going on? Actually, we have a great time with you here in Minsk. We try to keep Minsk weird. This is true. Are you weird enough, Jonas? Today I'm not weird enough, but uh, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Are you weird enough? Sometimes I... Well, look Weird enough for Minsk? I hope so, because I think it's not weird enough yet. And when everything is weird enough, I'm gonna be probably go somewhere else and keep it weird somewhere else. You know how I got this name? How I got this title? Have you met it somewhere else before? Keep me weird, because it's also not what I invented. No, what is it? What's the story behind it? The story behind it, behind Keep Me Weird stuff. I saw it once on sticker on Oranienstraße. It said keep Berlin weird and I found out that that's not what it means in the beginning in the beginning it was keep Portland weird and Portland is the city that started it all and then it moved to different cities and I thought it's cool and me and my then uh, flatmate also thought that keeping Berlin weird is something that's necessary but it's weird enough and I mean you have to work hard to make Berlin less weird, you know? <laughs> That's really weird. But Minsk is something, is the city where it has to be at least a little bit weirder than it is right now. So by saying keep it weird, we actually try to make it weird first, in the first place, and then keep it weird. First make it weird and then keep it weird. Yeah. And then back. I think there are two types of weird, when you're creepy weird and just nice weird. So I like when it's Which nice one weird. prefer? Okay. Nice weird. By the way, weird. The scenery outside reminds me a bit of the first Black Sabbath 
cover album. Oh it, yeah. It looks a bit like it with a tree. And did you have in mind like Black Sabbath song right now? You mean this? What is this that stands yeah, yeah, yeah. me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have to practice my Ozzy Osbourne thing. I can't do it. You used to? No, no. Sometimes in rehearsals, when I'm bored, I try to imitate other singers. Like, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. It's Neil Young. It's Neil Young. That sounds like those weird voices that I like. Yeah, Neil Young is one of them. What about, we talk about the names of your bands. And I will start not with Kissogram. I will start with Om Shat. Because I remember the day, I remember the very day when you were trying to find out the name for your new band. You know why? No. Because on the same day, John were texting me or calling me and said, do you know any like weird words in Belarusian or in Russian or any like sounds or letters that we could use? And I was sitting there at home and I was trying to be useful for <laughs> and I was sending like all the letters that I thought may fit. And when it came out with a band name, it was nothing like any anything that I suggested, I was like, home shot, okay. I remember that John came up with a couple of names, but I think we all didn't like them so much, but I don't know if it's Apparently. Really yeah, I don't really remember, but I, I remember that I was trying hard. Thank I you, was... I didn't know that. <laughs> well, now <laughs> it's... And then at the end, we had a stupid name like home shot, sorry. Why is it stupid? Well, now I think it fits, actually. It's, it's okay. Yeah, who invented that name? I think Chris claims that he was the one. I took this um thing and shut. I think that he looked up this word, the word shut, because it was a tribe in Tunisia or something or Sudan. But uh, um came from me um, because um is uh, mother in Arabic, mm -hmm. and um, it's also a reference to Um Kasum, the great Egyptian singer. Mm -hmm. Also, it's like onomatopoetic, that means it makes a sound, this um, shut. It mm -hmm. describes a sound, actually. It mm -hmm. describes mm -hmm. a drum sound. Did you go anywhere else, those places, when you took the words from, and they would say, that doesn't make any sense, you know, what you just put together these two words? Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't make any sense. Actually, <laughs> it's stupid to call a band like this, because it's always like, okay, what's your name again? Oh, shit, I have to write it down. Yeah. It's especially what you, actually, what you don't do when you invite, uh, when you invent a band name <laughs> but yeah but it sounds then, nice then it was over then i think for the first show we had a different name i don't remember and then it was umshat and then we didn't change it how many years was that ago when when uh, umshat came together i don't know four years maybe five years five years at least yeah so this the different story about kissogram kissogram makes something definite ah, about the name yeah kissogram was something like a service that you could order a mailman or you could tell a mailman to bring a kiss to someone you love or you hate or whatever and then you wouldn't have to kiss him himself or her i i don't even know if these things existed but i read about that i thought oh that's a cool idea in germany or no, i think it was a uk uh, mail service I think it's also associated with audit striptease and things like that nowadays. I right. think we just found it in the dictionary that time we were pretty young, mm -hmm. uh, Sebastian and me, and then we thought, ah, sounds stupid enough. <laughs> well, now I would like to actually play the Kissogram song. Which one we would choose? It's called Prominent Man. Prominent Man. Can you say anything about that song? Um, that's so long time ago, but... Um, I think it was about some high-class luxury posh party. Yeah, so it's kind of negative lyrics. You, you will see.
Jsem Dustin Mario Gucci Chanel Tonight a glass of wine will stick in his hand He'll look at greasy artists and then later he'll dance Trying to look bored with a glance at his friends For sure he's still got enough cash in his pants I'd rather be dead than a prominent man I'd rather be dead than a prominent man I'd rather be bad than a prominent man Six o'clock in the morning and I got him on my back Smelling like pineapple and breathing down my neck just said that he never heard the song after it was recorded. After it was mixed, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I hate to listen to it. If it's over, it's over and I don't want to listen to it again. Then. Really? With all the material? With Amshat as well? Yeah, because the production takes so long always and I have to listen to it again and again over and over. Once it's ready and pressed on a record, I really want to have distance to it. How do you stand making music videos? Uh, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, it's only for one day and it's okay. But I'm not the guy who's listening to his own shit at home. I don't like that. All right. And how do you manage to sing the same songs again and again and again by touring? Um, sometimes it would be good if we would have new material. We'd sing one new song this, this yeah. show. But usually it's true. If you sing the, the same songs over and over again, it might get boring. But it's a different atmosphere and you can always make some tiny, not adjustments, but you can play around it, improvise mm -hmm. a bit. And I'm, for example, my guitar solos are always different. Cool. I remember when you first, well, not the first, but one of the times when you used to text me in Berlin, it's like, are you DJing today? Can you put me on the guest list? Every time I felt like so flattered, like a real musician asks me, a DJ, like to put him on a guest list. And especially if like I'm a guest in this town and you live there and I thought you can, you know, just go anywhere you want and still you like do that because it's rather for me that I would go to your concert and I would be like, mm, can you put me on the guest list maybe? So for me, it was like uh, taking myself seriously. Like, you know, when you ask me, I think I think it was in, in Cafe Burger, it was maybe at uh, Antioch Luzon Kunbi as well. Or I think when we were DJing with uh, Sonic Pop All Nighter and Paul from uh, Peter Hook and the Light, I think we were DJing in Cafe Burger that night. I think you were there, I guess, weren't you? I'm not sure. Yeah, but it could be a couple times, but still for me it was nice. <laughs> so really, I don't know what you felt, maybe for you it was like, you know, whatever. But I have to say, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> also, you partly answered that question because I wanted to ask you if you felt that you actually achieved what you were aiming for. For example, when I was first time at your gig as Umshat and it was at Lido, basically, and it was full and the club is not that small. I mean, it's like a normal concert club in Berlin and I didn't expect it to be that full on that night and and that was at the end of the tour in Germany I guess mm, yeah what's your feeling about your career in I don't know in Germany is it especially after we talked about like black holes and getting lost in Berlin so. yeah I mean for us Berlin is, is of course the best city I mean it's we all come from all, I was born in Berlin and we all based actually in Berlin and so it's quite natural and we are played on the radio many many times and so Berlin works and Hamburg does too and Munich too mm -hmm. but of course some of the smaller cities in Germany that's hard for everyone but it's, I think it's like in every other country. Where did you get more popularity as a Kisukram or as Omshat right now at the moment? What do you feel? I can't say. Does it matter? Um, I think that with Kisukram we were maybe in more other countries. We were playing mm -hmm. in, in China and Japan and Brazil and things like that. Did you do any other job ever apart from being a musician? Yeah, I had some small jobs like teaching kids mathematics. Okay. <laughs> I was like playing very small roles in some films and um, advertisement stuff. I'm composing soundtracks from time to time. So you can survive just by doing music. I mean, that's good. How many times you switch the musicians within one band? Yeah, that's a good question and that hurts me deep inside. <laughs> We had like three or four different lineups mm -hmm. with Umshat, but it's not like that I'm sitting there and you go and you come here. It's like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work anymore. Sometimes some of them is going to another band and leaves us or is going abroad and things like that. And so it's, it's mostly try to figure out how it works. And then the rehearsals sometimes are more a bit like a family therapy than normal rehearsal. It's 
it's all about that uh, ego shit too sometimes. But usually uh, the most important thing is that we come up with good ideas which fit to each other and that we are musically on one level. On one level yeah. I think that's going to be one of the last questions. So you have like two Germans in your band, one French person, as I discovered, and one Irish person. Mm -hmm. But I want you to compare your musicians in your band to fairy tale characters, yes. you as well. They will hate me if they see this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start. Remy is it's like the tailor with the giants and he hits like seven flies on one strike, you know? Yeah, you do? Yeah. Okay. And Chris is König Drosselbart. I don't know if it's also Grimm's fairy tale. We'll find out. Okay. Richie is Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> no, that's too, that's too mean. Me. Richie is uh, Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> Why is it? Or just because you know this fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no! <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I could think of a Russian fairy tale, which Baba Yaga maybe. <laughs> no, uh, Hans and Glück, Lucky Hans, who always trades um, good things for bad things. He first he starts with having a horse, but then his horse is like uh, somehow getting weird, and then he trades it for a cow, and then he's not happy about the cow, then he trades it for a pig, and then he trades the pig for a chicken, and in the end he trades it for a stone or something, and in the end he throws it away and is like happy that he's... <laughs> and you? Um, it should be something like very curious and wondrous, and like I imagine you like, you know, always wondering. Ah, there's a fairy tale called One Who Went Out to Learn Get Frightened or something. Einer der Auszug des Fürchten zu lernen. You know what? We have like Buratina. It's just an analog of Pinocchio, but that's like a different story. Buratina is like a very actually positive. Just too simple and open minded yeah. for this world. Yeah. Sometimes when I see you, you know, just like looking around and like smiling. I I have that feeling. I don't know why. Because I never thought of you like that in Berlin. I guess maybe it's just, you know, for the outer world. Um, I feel like Boratino. It's a like perfect, <laughs> perfect person. Oh no, I know who I am. I'm a Schweinehör pig. You have to look it up. The Schweinehör. Okay. That's why I'm. Do you have any questions left for us? Do you have something to drink? Maybe <laughs> beer. A beer? No, we have tea. Do we have beer? Do you like East Berlin more than West Berlin, or is it for you the same? For me, Berlin is the mixture. It's like Budapest. It's like two halves of the whole. That's why I like it. I think if I would have to choose, that I would like it less. I think I like it because I have both, and I can, you know, it's like the contrast that interests me, because I have the same feeling when we are here as well. I think I came to Berlin one person and I came back like a different person. As usually every travel, you know, changes something inside and then like a natural process for me. So Berlin is one of the most influential cities for me, apparently. And what I learned there, I try to use here. And according to feedback that I get, it seems to work one way or the other. But I think when it comes to bureaucracy, when it comes to this exact contrast of people want to live like different and be more creative and the old structures then don't like to move that quick as you know young people then yeah it's you know reminds me of the west and east how do you think minsk will be in five years if it goes on like right now it's gonna be a very interesting place because it's already different from how it used to be five years ago 
like it's easy to see that it's different really so you should come back and also tell me if you see any difference i think berlin is also changing you know how these parts of party streets they always move inside one city's hype area right now here then it's there and it's there and yeah, like yeah it's it's always also a chase and run game that the scene is somewhere like the people who do some interesting things the area is getting more more expensive yeah. and people want to live there because they mm -hmm. want to feel something of the, the scene and of the alternative liberal life yeah. there and then yeah the rents are getting higher and the people move out and move to another place and then they got followed again by, <laughs> by the people who buy the houses and stuff like that. That's what's happening everywhere in London and in New York and Paris mm -hmm. and so and I hope that we in Berlin can like at least slow it down a bit. Thank you Jonas. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you have a good impression and good time in Minsk and you managed to see something. That was KM Voice. Thanks to Goethe Institute. Thanks to Jonas Poppe. Subscribe to our channels, support us on Patreon, and stay with you. <laughs>